Good evening, my little darklings. It's been a while, but I'm back and we're live tonight. Ghostly regrets in the afterlife. On our programs, we've discussed how to make things right in this life so that we don't need the aid of mediums and psychics to try to communicate in the afterlife, to put things right that might have been left unset. But what happens to the spirit as it crosses over? Are they left with regret? Is it possible that they hang out in the afterlife holding on to hope that they could have made things right? Or do they go on to some other level? Do they just immediately begin to elevate, escalate, and heal? We're going to talk about that with our guest tonight. Michael Bodine is a longtime friend of our program. He has been uh, on and off of my shows for the last 15, 16 years, always insightful, informative, and entertaining. And tonight, we're going to look at some of these questions. I do want to mention there will be a trigger warning for those of you listening that we may discuss elements that you will find uncomfortable, from suicide to murder. So if that is something that will upset you because it's something you've dealt with, we understand if you need to tune out. But maybe maybe you need to listen. Maybe you'll get the answers tonight that you've been seeking all along. We'll cover that and more when we return to the best in paranormal programming. This is the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. I'm not going to stand here and listen to this baloney. He won't baloney. He doesn't stand for baloney. Sounds like a lot of supernatural baloney to me. Supernatural, perhaps. Baloney, perhaps not. Hello, my friends. Thank you so much for tuning in and spending some time with me here this evening. I also want to make mention, in case you missed it, I know you were looking for the live shows. We did have some great episodes over the last few weeks. A few weeks ago, we had the very first of our Freaky Friday flips, where you actually got a chance to hear... The, uh, the band members from Bowling for Soups, Gary Wiseman and Jarrett Reddick, interview me about the paranormal. We had a great conversation filled with lots of love and laughter and enjoyment, so I hope you had a chance to check that out. Last Friday, Bridget Marquardt, the ghost magnet, the girl next door, that's right, Playboy, Playmate, and Hugh Hefner alum was the one that turned the script on me. And we did another edition telling ghost stories and sharing strange tales. I hope you tuned in and checked that out. If you haven't, they live right now on our YouTube channel. So you can find us right here and watch all of the past episodes. Or if you're listening to the audio only versions, make sure to tune in and check those episodes out. They are insightful. It's great to hear a different side of the story. Plus, you get to hear what uh, some of the people that I've interviewed feel about the paranormal. And Bridget, will be joining me on an upcoming episode where she'll be sitting in the hot hot seat and, and uh, I'll be throwing the questions her way. So make sure you keep checking that out. Uh, had a great time in Ireland. 
just got back and uh, we are ready to roll. We've got a lot of good things. The Paranormal News crew is busy putting together news stories for this week. we got a lot to catch up on and they will be on live Friday night with me. So I hope you'll tune in and check that out as well. And I'd love to have feedback from you as you listen to our program. If you have thoughts and ideas, concerns, things that you'd like to know more about or more topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can always email me, Dave at paranormal60.com. That's Dave at paranormal60.com. And I will be happy to see if we can work those in in upcoming episodes. And remember, we also want you to be a part of those upcoming episodes, like this Friday's live show. If you have had a strange supernatural occurrence, whether it is with a cryptid creature or perhaps a mythological beast, maybe a Ouija board story that went horribly wrong or perhaps horribly funny, and you'd like to share that, maybe a ghost tale, a, 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 a diabolical visit, anything that fits under the category from aliens to monsters, myths, and legends, we want you to feel comfortable sharing it here on the Paranormal 60. All you have to do is email me, Dave, at paranormal60.com and if you'd like to be on with us this friday live to share your story and we ask you to keep the stories between three to five minutes long if you'd like to do that email me dave at paranormal60.com and we will entertain having you join us on the paranormal 60 news this friday night so now that that's out of the way let's get to tonight's topic again our guest is michael bodine he comes from a long line of sensitives and mediums psychics he is a ghostbuster and has been here in minnesota along with his sister echo they've gone out to help spirits cross over to clear homes to deal with the dead in ways that others find very alarming but what I do find funny is that uh, Echo Bodine, who is a, a local legend as well here in Minnesota, is still terrified of ghosts. Michael, why is your sister afraid of ghosts? She doesn't like things that move too quick. She doesn't like <laughs> things touching her and stuff. She's scared of that. I understand. Like, um, if, you know, a lot of times they know that, too, so they'll, like, tap her on the shoulder or something. So they, or pull her hair they muck with her. Start, yeah, and she'll start freaking out. It's like... Walking into a, a spider web or something like that, she'll just, yeah. It's really easy to get her freaked out. All you have to do is go, sis, look behind you. And she, <laughs> she just. I know, here, I went, I, I went to a paranormal investigation with Echo, and she's hiding behind me. I'm like, you're the one that sees the dead all the time. She goes, oh, I know, honey. But I usually, I, you know, you're coming to me. I'm all prepared for it. I'm not, I don't like going into haunted places and having them jump out because they do like to scare you and they like to mess with you. And she was really worried about it. It was kind of comical, yeah. uh, but, but uh, funny to see happen. And then I've been ghost hunting with you and you're totally the opposite of it. You're kind of like, bring it on. And you kind of put these spirits in their place when they start mucking about with you a little bit. Well, yeah, it, it it's worked out better for me to to have that kind of attitude. When I was a kid, I was scared to death of them because I didn't I didn't know anything, you know, I didn't know any better. But um, then as I got older, I got I got tired of being afraid of them. I got tired I got tired of catering to their whims, and uh, and they were all around my house all the time when I was a kid. They were everywhere, mm -hmm. and they they scared the crap out of me. And so I just thought, screw it, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna. <laughs> either either leave or do something or you know not be afraid and so I, I guess when i was pretty young probably 12 or 13 i just decided screw this i'm not going to be afraid of them anymore she you've got your that. book growing up psychic michael bodine from skeptic to believer right. that's out there talking about your yeah. journey and we do have a link up for that in our um, amazon shop uh also his follow-up book 
A Psychic's Life, What It's Really Like by Michael Bodine. So I wanted to make sure we mention those. And again, we have a link up to Michael's uh, website and how you can order books, get readings, keep in touch with Michael, all right below on tonight's program guide. Um, You've got this ability. It's been a kind of a lifelong journey with your family of doing these things, communicating with the dead. And I get a lot of questions. People come to me and I I thought this would be a great time to kind of focus a full episode on different aspects of death. And Mm -hmm. as I said in the opening, you know, so many of us on this side are left with regrets, things unsaid, undone, and we're heartbroken that we didn't get to say that last thing or clear up a misunderstanding. Do the dead feel that way, Michael? Or when they're released from this physical form, are they already oh, enlightened and on their way to wherever <laughs> they're going next? How does that work? You know, okay, so it's been my experience when I've, because of what I do, I have, um, I have, I go to a lot of people when they're about to die, like friends of mine or people that, that, that I know their friends or something i'll go to their house or i'll go to the hospital or something when they're about to pass and and so i've been around a lot of death for some reason and it's you know sometimes there's a oh um sometimes there's these great like beautiful angels that come down and kind of help you with the process and get you going and make you help help you transit uh, go from one spot to the other and then there's other times um i I was I went to uh, a shopping market uh, yeah, a long time ago, and it was like just starting to get winter like, and so it was starting to get dark really early. and And I pulled up, and there was a bunch of cop or cops and ambulance people. Somebody had passed out or something right outside the door, and uh, and there's a, a bunch of people sitting around watching and stuff. And there's this guy just feverishly just pounding on this guy's chest, and. Um, and we're all standing around and they put this guy in a gurney and, and they're still pounding, pounding and they put him, they put him in the ambulance. And, and so everybody just kind of dispersed and it was really a weird vibe. And, and there was three people there. There was me, this one a Spanish lady. I, she looks Spanish, I, I think. And, and then there's this guy and we we're all just looking at each other like, wow, that was, that was weird. And the lady looked at me and I looked at her and we could tell that the guy that was standing there was the guy that was, they just put in the gurney. He was standing wow. there just like going what what's going on what, what happened what is this and you know what the weird thing and she got she looked at me kind of like scared she kind of crossed herself you know and then looked at him mm-hmm. and then went in and and i watched him look at me like well, what do i do what do i do he had no clue about what to do and and i just pointed to the ambulance you know just go in and and, and he he went in and and then a couple minutes later the ambulance shut off its lights and just kind of drove off slowly. So, you know, obviously he died. They, they weren't in any hurry, but the weird thing about it was you could tell it was, it freaked him out because it was, there was nothing he could do. It was done. It was over. It was, that's it. Boom. The cord's been cut. Uh, Um, Whatever he had or he wanted to do is too late. We have a question from uh, Janice. I'll get to that in a minute, but I wanted to ask you with that, Because we hear these spirits are kind of thrown out and they don't know what's going on. And I've talked to some people that have had near-death experiences and they remember driving in the car and then all of a sudden they're thrown out of the car and they see the accident happen. It reminds me yeah. of that TV series, Dead Like Me. Did you ever watch that that TV show? I think yeah, it was I think on I Showtime. Did. Yeah. Where yeah, the yeah, Reaper's yeah, yeah. job was to come collect you just before death so you didn't right. have to okay, live right, through right, that right, pain. Yeah. So yeah. is there something to that, Michael? Do we 
eject prior to the strike to the moment we physically die so yeah, that a lot of times yeah wow okay yeah. so I mean, there is that, that confusion of hey what what just happened to me what, why am i yeah. here what's going on right and it's it's really to avoid the whole pain of it all i i was in the fall i was involved in a really bad accident i was mm-hmm. um uh, we were driving and uh, this this lady driver that was driving i was in a van uh, decided to pass this truck. We're going like 80 miles an hour. She overcorrected and we just, the thing flipped like four times. And I remember as it's happening, thinking, oh good, I'm going to step out of my body because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be aware of being dead. But I knew mm-hmm. because I wasn't stepping out of my body that I was going to live because um, I was fully conscious of everything. And wow. I had other experiences where I, I was almost going to die. And I have stepped out of my body. I have seen myself on the operating table or, or um, in, in different situations. And I, it's like my soul has left at that. And, and I'm, I'm watching myself like a movie. But um, and in that instance, I knew I wasn't going to die because I was <laughs> being tossed around. <laughs> you were still bouncing around. I mean, I was fine. I mean, I, you know, a couple right. stitches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was, um, yeah, but it was, I, I kind of re it would have been nicer to be sort of out of my body at that point. Cause it was scary, man. It was loud and violent right. and terrible. But um, I think a lot of times they, they take souls out so that they don't have to experience that. Cause it, it's, it's just a, you know, it's traumatic. Violent. Sure. Yeah. It really. Well, is Janice, traumatic. Janice Fritch asks, do relatives really come to take you and, and help usher you on to the next life? You know? Okay. So yeah. Um, I have a, I had a buddy of mine who I love, 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 love. And this guy mm-hmm. didn't really believe in all this stuff. You know, he didn't, you know, he didn't really believe it. He's a great guy, funny guy. And he had cancer and he was on his way out. And in his case, so his whole family was there too. And they didn't believe in this stuff at all. I mean, they were raised Catholic, but they didn't believe in this stuff at all. And um, it, when he, when he was passing, the colors of the room changed. It, it was like the hue changed. It was like this, beautiful amber color and and his mother recognized this person that came down as his as her sister or somebody that somebody somebody in the family and mm-hmm. she just starts bawling because she could see this lady and and the, her his brothers who were just hard you know these are hard guys they didn't they didn't believe in this stuff at all they could see their father because their father had, his father had passed and his father came down and it was like this they you could see he was going off with his relatives and his friends. And it was, it was like emotional, really emotional just because they got to see their, their relatives they haven't seen for a long time. And, and it changed their whole thinking. I mean, they changed their whole life after that. The, the, the brothers changed their whole profession. And um, everybody that was in the room at that point, after that, they looked at the world in a different way because they all saw it. And they didn't believe in well, that, that stuff before. That is called a shared near-death experience, folks, for people right. that are in the presence of someone transitioning and passing. Um, right. We know that we've heard these stories of the person passing, seeing loved ones come together. There are these rare instances where the living with that person also witnessed this. That's very rare, but it's, yeah, wow, it what an incredible moment. It was so moment. cool. I'm, God, it, you should have been there. It was just like... It was amazing. It was like they just this beautiful color and these guys and, and it was very touching because it was it, you didn't feel 
bad, but you knew that he was gone forever. And but mm-hmm. then then all that was left was his body and everybody was okay with it. It wasn't like people were mourning or really bummed out. It was like they knew that there is this life after there, that there is something right. else out there. And wow, people need to decide for themselves whatever they want it to be. But it was uh, and you know, a lot of times when I ghost bust uh, and I get a really uh, stubborn ghost or somebody that doesn't want to go you, you bring in a relative or you bring in somebody that that was on the other side and they help bring the person they help convince that person to go but it's this reunion it's this um connection thing and the thing about it is that once you see that you realize that right that there is this other thing out there there really is and you, you can believe whatever you want i you know i don't blame people for not I, believing I, that stuff but i've seen it I've seen it. I love, I love a few of these stories I've heard, Michael, where like the mother is passing away and she's, you know, holding hands with the child or the, you know, somebody there. And she goes, do you think the angels and and my family will come? And they're like, yeah. And she goes, oh God, I hope not your, not your dad. I, I had enough of him in this lifetime. I don't want to have to see him (laughs) right when they pass. And some of them are vehement about, I better not see that son of a, show up and and deal with that so it's kind of funny that you know as we're transitioning even in that moment we still can't give up that little modicum of anger and resentment and and that's like the last person you want to see when you cross over at my house we keep my mother-in-law's ashes on the other side of the room from the father-in-law's ashes simply out of respect that i'm sure the last thing the mother-in-law wants at this point is to have to hang out with ed for another eternity so we we always keep those ashes separated uh for our own mentality now let's talk about let's talk about the tougher aspect of this because suicide touches most of our lives um yeah. And it it is a it, it's a very tough discussion, and and a lot of us believe in the the dogma um, of what church has told us that it is the ultimate sin, and therefore you're immediately thrown to hell, and 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 that's it. I've often believed, and coming from a Christian perspective, because that's all I know, is the fact that I just don't believe my God would take somebody who's in a mental state, who is not clearly thinking. And ends their life. I, I just can't see him punishing somebody that's ill like that. To me, that doesn't make sense. What What's yeah, I, your I take on it from people you've come across that have, have ended their own lives and are now in spirit? So, you know, you talk about hell. There, There's all sorts of different versions of hell. And um, right. I, I'm not a big believer in, in that. You know, they say that hell is passing and reviewing and being in the presence of somebody that is just this loving presence, whether you, whatever you want to call them and, and feeling that love and then seeing your life and all the decisions you made and the people that you hurt and the lies that you did and the, the opportunities that you didn't take in front of this very loving being. I mean, that is what the psychics used to call hell is reviewing your life and, and not being really happy about it, being embarrassed by it. You know, the suicide stuff, um, I've noticed that uh, when I run across souls that have had that have committed suicide, they they tend to be a little stuck. I don't I don't know that they're being punished, but it seems like the people that they've affected, they kind of have to uh, watch um, the ramifications of their decision. That's that's their hell is to see the effects of what they decided to do um, on the people that stayed. 
And it's not always the case. Like some people, um, you know, they have medical issues and they have a lot of pain and all that stuff. That's kind of a different thing. But I think, mm-hmm. uh, I think sometimes with, in some cases, the hell for those people is to have to be witness to all this, the uh, effects of what their death had on the people that are still around. Um, yeah, so I've, heard, I guess, that, I've heard that from many different uh uh, mediums and psychics I've spoken with. I've, I've had some strange visitation dreams where spirits or for lack of a better term, angels have given me that information as well, where they yeah. explain to me that, you know, hell is what we make of it, what we put into things and, and what right. we do. So we do revisit those moments and see the long-term effect of how it played out for the people we hurt. And yeah. maybe if you realized how powerful those moments meant you know um there's that great adage of you you take a a perfectly pristine piece of wood and you pound a nail through it that's like michael i hate you you dirty so-and-so you son of a that's drilling the nail in and then i go man michael i'm sorry and i pull that nail back out and i go man i i don't i was in such a bad mood i'd been drinking i just wasn't myself you can pull back what you said but you always leave that gaping yeah. hole in that perfect piece of wood. So there's always that piece of that yeah, person that's, that's been removed. Yeah. And yeah. and that's what you need to live is. And I think that is the hell that we create for ourselves, right? Like Dickens says in the, the, the um, Christmas Carol, when Jacob Marley is talking to Ebenezer Scrooge and he's got all these long chains and he goes, these are the chains I forged in life. Each link basically is all the crap that he did to other people. And now he has to live with the burden of that weight until he can work it off. And I think that, you know, boy, if anything, that's been one thing that's really tried to dictate in my life, how I want to live my life so that I listen, I'm lazy here. Michael, I don't want to carry around a lot of heavy chains in the afterlife. So I'm trying to just, you be nice, be kind, try to help people do good so that those links and, and the people that you affect are not affected permanently or wounded i'd rather leave them with a smile in their heart than with a hole that i have to try to spackle up later right yeah i agree and it's it's you know it's not even it doesn't even have to be big things it could be mm-hmm. complimenting somebody on a you know daily basis or right. bringing out something when they're you know they're having a bad day just easing up on them a little right you know just because you know it was drilled in my head over and over that you do review your life you do review your life and so i think about that all the time and mm-hmm. um you know i got a lot of regrets already about stuff that i've done and said and, and but you know the thing about earth and what we're here is it's a pretty basic planet it's it's or they say that it's a pretty basic planet and that we're here to learn pretty basic it's like dumb dumb school for you know driver's ed and um mm-hmm. and you know some we're all here to learn Every one of us, you know, all the, you know, even John Lennon, who I love, was a really terrible dad, you know, and not a good guy with women, you know, and, and everybody has all these different issues that they're here to, to work on, you know, even the great right. ones, you know, Gandhi loved, loved Hitler, you know, just, <laughs> just, just different things. I think, um, I think if you can just make even just little improvement, just little bits here and there, I, I, it does go a long way because, It'll at least give you a pause, so when you're looking at all the crap you did, you can go, "Oh, shoot. here can come something good where I was nice to somebody." <laughs> then you can go back to being, you know, <laughs> the review. <laughs> well, it's like I tell my daughters when they take babysitting jobs. I go, "You know what? It doesn't hurt you to do the dishes 
while you're there because you know, leave the place a little better than you found it because that's going to leave an indelible mark that's going to make people go, God, I, I paid her to come do this. And not only did she watch my kids and they were great and taken care of, but she tidied up. She did something yeah. outside and she made this a better place and something that alleviated stress or one more job for me when I came home. And I've tried to recommend that to my children. When I go to watch my grandchildren, I'll do the same. If I notice there's a sink full of dishes, I'll wash them up and put them in the, the dishwasher and, and run it for them or tidy up and wipe everything down with Clorox wipes just so that it's one less thing. And and I think that's a good yeah. way to lead life is is having those moments where you just try to do something better. And, and right. I, you know, I wonder if that helps in the, the people that are like, I deal with depression and anxiety and have my whole life. But yeah, I notice when I get outside of my head and I do something kind for somebody else, it lifts me because yeah, exactly. I don't I, I'm no longer in that darker corner. I You know, when I paint myself there at times, if I find I reach out and I. Um, I start answering emails and people that are asking for help or questions about the other side or, or about exactly, the paranormal yeah. um, or just complimenting somebody online. I realize even those little baby steps start bringing me back out of that depression shell I'm in. Um, yeah. So it's it's a good thing to kind of resonate with people. And, and it's a good way to lift your energy back up and out of that dark space. Uh, it doesn't always work, but it's certainly a, it's a better start. And you're doing something proactive that isn't going to hurt you and can right. only benefit mankind. But in the case of suicides, when, like you said, they're there, they're kind of dealing with this. Do you speak to suicides? Do they wait? Or are they afraid of judgment on the other side? Is that part of the reason that they'll stay? Yeah. yeah. There, but there's that weight, that bond, that, that connection. It's like the um, the heaviness of what they the, the heaviness of their actions is mm -hmm. pretty weighs deep on somebody on, on, on at least a few people that that have were affected by their death, and that weight really keeps them there. It's it's you know it's sad because I know a lot of times people go through this whole mental illness thing and they just want to feel free, but they don't even want to die. They just don't want to feel this pain anymore. And so I, right. I completely get why it would be difficult, but it's, um, it, you know, that's the thing that there, the, the frustrating thing that I've run across is that these people, um, they, they're still witness to the same stuff. They're still feeling the same stuff, but they can't do anything about it. In fact, now they can't do anything about it because, um, they they've lost their choices and um and so when i've when i've run across them there's a heaviness and a, and a kind of a uh, just a giving up sense of them like okay they're gonna they'll stay as long as the people that they affected are still here and then they'll they'll go but you know what it's been interesting too sometimes i've been around people that have committed suicide that um that have also seen their life getting the people that they they that survived it or stayed their life's getting better and they start to feel better and they start to kind of uh, the people that committed suicide actually start to influence them in a in a positive way it's like um i've seen um the opposite where instead of the, the person that committed suicide just being all heavy and sad and all terrible um actually being encouraged later on with their life and seeing that the, these people did survive and that they're okay and then and they actually kind of whisper in their ears from time to time like you know do this or do that they're actually supportive it's like they understand that they they have a bit of a role still it's just well, kind of interesting let, let me ask you this then would it help 
See, I've often wondered, are we haunting the ghosts? Is it our want and desire to not let go that keeps those forces here? If somebody committed suicide, is it a gift to give to their soul to say, I forgive that. I forgive that you left and it hurts and I'll always Mm -hmm. miss you, but I forgive you for it so that they know that they're not being held in perpetuity to your chain that that they can move on that way feeling like you know i i don't understand why you did it and i don't understand how you could do that and leave us all behind but i respect that that was your decision that that was your life and i love you and i forgive you and i hope that you find peace wherever you go or is that too tree huggery michael and you're the guy not to pull punches on me tell me (laughs) i know that there's people in this world that that benefit uh, it's going to sound morbid, but they have a friend of theirs that committed suicide. They hang on to that. They use that mm-hmm. for all their reasons, for all, all their failures, that they couldn't do it because they could never get past their friends. You know, their life is never going to be the same after their friend committed suicide. And that only makes that friend feel worse. You know, it's mm-hmm. like they're, 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 they're killing people. They're not only killing themselves, but they killed this other person. And I think some people use that as, as an excuse. And what you just said, I think is absolutely true that when you get to that place where you can let that person go, you forgive them. It, it goes a long way, you know, it goes a really long way, but I, you know, people use that stuff. They, I know, I know several people that, you know, talk about their friends committing suicide. They still keep the suicide notes, you know, they still keep the, yeah. the, the stuff just to kind of hang on. Like, see, I'm a victim here. I'm, I, I, I deserve to have a hard life, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they don't, they just, they just using it. I call it the shield. It's a shield of of honor, but it's really a shield of dishonor. It's all those labels we put on the outside of it, like the back of an RV, all the places we've been and seen. <laughs> we, we put up this shield and we're like, but look right here. I, I was treated poorly as a child. And and, right. and over here, my, my dog Tippy ran away. And, and over here, my cousin killed himself. And we always find a hundred reasons to, to enact exactly. why we are sad, depressed, this in, in and I'm not belittling depression because it makes no sense you could be in a great place i'm married with a wonderful wife amazing children doing what i want in life and then depression rolls in and people go well what the flip is wrong with you schrader you have everything you want i don't know that's the illogical nature of depression right you're like i can't and it's not because i'm holding up a shield going but i'm allowed to feel this way because look look at all these stickers from all the places i've been hurt it's not that to me it's it's the illogical nature of the way the brain ticks when dealing with depression right. um right. so I, I i don't i don't want people like you're saying you know some of us hold on to it so that we it's almost like a badge of honor look what i lived through this is where i'm going and it's okay if you say look what i've lived through and I'm here today, so you can be here today, as opposed to right. look what I've lived through. Pity me, right. you know. I, I should exactly. be allowed to, to have yeah. these mistakes in my life and and do the things I'm doing because look at look at all I've got. And again, I know I sound condescending in saying that, and I'm not trying to, but it's giving you the perception, a visualization of what that might look like. Um, oh, I agree. Depression is hard. To, man. It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It- before we go to the quick break here, uh, a couple of ads to run. I, I want to finish up on the suicide angle of it. Uh, you know, talking about can if we give them forgiveness, does that help loosen their constraints to move on? What else can we do Definitely to does. aid it's those spirits yeah. for healing? What else can we do so that we don't hold it to ourselves as well and we're not beholden to that guilt? 
Well, you know, it's funny when you were talking about helping other people, when, when my old teachers, like my psychic teachers, cause I've, I've dealt with depression. I've had anxiety ever since I was 14 and just really, you know, it's, it's always been a struggle for me. And, and when I get to that place, it's, there's just nothing that can kind of shake it. It's kind of like the, the, um, the, the moon cycles, you know, you just kind of, it turns dark and then, then eventually it starts to lift, but it turns dark. And when it, when I go dark like that, there's just, everybody seems to notice. And one time my, uh, one of my teachers, Bertie, her name was, um, I was walking by and she goes, what's wrong? And I said, ah, it's just, you know, I don't know. I got the blues. And she yelled at me about, well, who are you helping? Who are you, who are you helping? And, and I thought, screw you. You know, I, I, I'm the one that needs help. And she got really upset with me that I was, um, that, that, that was the time that I was going to be the most effective to help other people. And that it was going to be right. something I was going to have to live with my whole life. And, uh, and I was going to have to learn how to live with it. And I think to, to answer your question, I think um, understanding um, cycles, understanding that, that, that it's just going to happen with people, not judging those people when they go through it. Cause I, I you know, my whole family has depressions, uh, depression mm-hmm. and you know, it's, just talk, even talking about it, even just talking about it and just instead of wallowing in it, because some people do like to wallow in it. Um, I think understanding it and understanding that you're going to get through it, just to how do you get through it the easiest way. And the same thing with some of these souls that have committed suicide, understanding that, that that's just going to come with the dinner. They're going to be depressed about all this stuff, but not mm-hmm. wallowing in it and not re regurgitating why they did it, letting right. it go, letting, letting that, part goes so they can heal too. Um, Cause you know, we all got to go through it. Some of us have right. different degrees and um, it's the same thing with a spirit that, that has committed suicide because they're not going to be depressed the whole time. In fact, when they, sometimes when they come out of that depression, they're just, Oh my God, what did I do? What did I do? And they're, you know, they have a hard time with what they did and mm-hmm. um, letting them understand, allowing them to understand that, you know, but for the grace of God, go on, you know, them, I, I, I could see that there was a couple of times I was pretty close to killing myself. You know, there was one time mm-hmm. specifically that I thought for sure I was going to kill myself and, but then fate interceded. And, you know, I could have been one of those spirits right now, just whispering in your ear going, huh, oh, what the heck, you know, blah, blah, blah. But um, not helping them not take it too seriously, forgiving them, uh, being understanding, not judging them, all that kind of stuff that really helped. I want to mention too, just as a, an aside, this is something that has worked for me and I've noticed sometimes we get signs and they're not the signs we're expecting. And I find myself in a depressive state and I will actually, which is, it seems counterproductive or counterintuitive. I will go to my social media and I'll look and all of a sudden I find somebody else who's in a depressive state and I reach out to them. And I don't offer them advice. I don't tell them, oh, things are going to get, but suck it up. None of the nonsense that doesn't work. (laughs) But I reach out and I see Michael's in a bad place. And I either I've I've, sometimes I've just picked up my phone and I've I've hit that little call button on Facebook and I ring them and they're like, "Uh, hello. And I'm like, yeah, hey, Michael, this is Dave Schrader from, you know, the Paranormal 60 and the Holzer Files. And I saw your message. I'm, I'm worried. Are you okay? Do you need somebody to talk to? And sometimes in just that moment, they're realizing Oh, I'm not alone. There are people watching. There are people paying attention. And again, I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back. I'm saying it to give you 
maybe there's a reason you're in that residence so that you can help somebody else. You can recognize the sign in somebody else. And a lot of times when I've been there for Michael and, and I make that call and then Michael tells me what's going on, I go, I understand, my friend. I, I'm sorry that you're dealing with this. Mm-hmm. You will get through it. And I'm here if you just need to vent or voice it, but you are loved. And I want you to know you're not alone. There are others like you, like me, that are going through the same thing. And sometimes it's just in that, again, them being able to realize they're not alone. It takes you out of that ego and id moment and puts you back into the, oh, man, other people feel this way. And that's always helped me kind of get out of my out of my own head once in a while. And it puts me back in that position again. That's I've, I've credited Bruce Springsteen with that. When I listened to dancing in the dark, when I had pulled that trigger and the gun didn't go off in my mouth twice. Um, and I found that song, I, I suddenly heard the words and I'm like, Oh, somebody else has been through this. I'm not the only guy he's lived through it. Right. Look at him. He's a huge rock star. He's living the life that he wants. I can do this. I'll get through it. And and that pushed right. me. So sometimes, you know, I want to, in my own way, be somebody else's Springsteen, meaning I just, if I can just call you or message you and try to help out, maybe that's what all of us should challenge ourselves to do. When you're finding yourself in a depressive place, look for somebody else who might be there and reach out to them. Don't make it about you. When they start telling you their misery, don't start counteracting it with, well, if you think you got it rough, I've been bald since I was 20. I'm overweight. And my goatee went gray when I was 35. It's not about comparing notes. It's about being there for somebody. Just unconditional love. Matt Johnson says, last time I felt depressed, I was taking a nap and a face of my dad appeared with a smile. It felt like he was alive. And I woke up knowing that he had passed, but I felt better. Mm -hmm. Oh, Matt, I'm glad that you got that message and that it was something that you could take and and learn from so i'm glad that that happened for you and i'm sorry that you found yourself in a dark space as well but look we've we've made it through yeah we have yeah and it's funny too i think we in our lives we uh we connect with people that are similar to us in some ways and i think a lot of times uh a lot of people in my circle um they have kind of the same kind of thing where they go through this depression. They're, they're, you know, their lives are really good. They're, they're happy with themselves. And, but you know, they go through this time and it's, mm-hmm. and, but because I recognize in them, it's easy for me to just reach out to them when they have to. And, and it's, um, it, it's just, it's like, it's part of getting through this. Cause this is a tough place to be this. Yeah. <laughs> especially now, <laughs> you know, it's a tough yeah, place to be. And, Let's, uh, we, we have to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll discuss more. I've got a couple more hard questions and then we'll talk about some more very strange aspects like walk-ins and what does it mean? And our time's going to fly. So we're going to try to power through this. So stay tuned. We'll be back for more right after this. Today's episode is brought to you by better help. What's the first thing that you'd do if say you had an extra hour in your day, would you go for a run, maybe take a nap, read a book or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However... There are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. 
when I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get better help. Visit betterhelp.com slash p60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash p60. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on. And if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. BetterHelp.com slash P60. There's a link for it on today's program guide. And we are a Paranormal Guys. I'm Dave Schrader. That's Michael Bodine, the medium and psychic. We are talking tonight about uh, regrets. We've all had a few, but too few to mention. Let's get to it, though, in the afterlife. Uh, dealing with, we've talked about suicide. We've talked about death and how these things uh, are dealt with. And in the murder category, I think we can kind of sync it up with the suicide aspect, right? That people often wonder, well, you know, if there is no justice on the other side, but there is. If, if a murderer has to live through not only the life he stole, but has to live through every single person that was affected by that murder, living those multiple lifetimes, feeling that, imagine like, Imagine the TV show, like The Office, how the first time you watched it, you had that little gut-churning feeling of, oh, my God, I just can't, oh, I can't watch this. I feel so bad for people. Imagine that a million-fold, knowing that it's not a TV show <laughs> meant for entertainment. This is something they have to live through. So I don't think it's an easy justice on the other side for murder uh, murderers and certainly murder victims. Um have their own uh, lot that they have to deal with in, in trying to let go. Do a lot of murder victims, you know, Hollywood wants us to believe they hang around, Michael, looking to solve their own crimes or, or begging for justice. Does that happen or are they more apt to just let loose and go start again or, or heal? You know, it's been my experience that, that when a murder victim is kind of free in a way, it's like maybe in their another life they had killed somebody and they got their karma has been paid up it's like it's almost like a, a get out of jail card free kind of thing it's like they're they're the ones that are free now um it's the people that did it they're kind of screwed um the the souls that um you know committed the crime yeah. i've been yeah. in a couple of ghostbusters where um yeah, they're 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 screwed because now it, it's all on them. It's it's all they have to f complete that karmic kind of thing. You know, they have to, the person that got killed is done. They're they're I don't want to say happy, but there there's a, a lightness to them. There's a um, a load mm -hmm. taken off of them, and um, you know, it's, I mean, it's I, I think they still feel bad. It's interesting how many but murderers I also, have have admitted that they were in jail being visited by those that they killed. I think their torment starts early on and continues oh, well into the yeah, end for them. Yeah. I think it helps if you're a little crazy um, because then you, you can, you don't have to take it too seriously. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I think it's been difficult for people that, um, 
Yeah. Okay. So I, I worked with, I worked with this one guy that used to, that was his job to kill people. It was, he worked for the government and he killed a lot of people and his house was filled with a lot of people that were a little bugged that he killed them. Um, yeah, I would guess. And, uh, and, and he had a hard time reconciling that. Um, it, he was tormented. He was a good guy. He just, they just wouldn't leave him alone and they weren't mad at him. They were just like saying, Hey, remember me? Hey, remember me? And that was it. But mm. he had a lot of people that he had um, uh, sort of done away with. Um, and, Yikes. but they, they were kind of in, <laughs> they were in a better place. Um, I, I've run across a couple of people that were pissed uh, that they died, that they were murdered just basically because it wasn't supposed to go that way. And the person, um, jump the gun or something like that. So there's, there were still some unresolved issues that weren't fair, but um, they seem to have the benefit of like um, tag you're at, like they're at now kind of thing. There, there was a, a lightness to it. Yeah. But all right. Know, now here's different thing. one more kind of heavy thing before we move on to things like walk-ins and, and what that really means. But yeah, this is something that I'm curious about. And, you know, it's something that affected our life. My wife and I, you know, are, are going on our uh, fifth anniversary together. Um, we got pregnant. She unfortunately oh, nice. lost, lost her baby um, early on in, in our relationship, our marriage. Uh, but she holds on to that and it, it eats at her. And I know many people that have lost that, that a, they kind of feel they, they heap it on themselves like it's a failure of them that this this pregnancy didn't take on how can we come to terms with a loss like that and for men i don't believe it's as impactful because we weren't holding we weren't building and and right right? um it's much more harmful for the women but what can we do that they can commune with the spirit do you recommend that instead of holding on to it and letting him eat them alive like a cancer? You know, I was taught, and, and it's been my experience, that, mm-hmm. you know, when a soul decides for whatever reason, maybe it didn't want to be born on a certain date for astrological reasons, or maybe it just didn't want to be born at a certain time for what was coming up or whatever, but it's not, it, it was, and a lot of times that soul will choose to come back um, at a different time, but it's, mm-hmm. uh, it just, decided no i can't come right now that was and it's really that simple it wasn't about that the mother wasn't a good mother or that they they could have something right. did something different it was just really simple the, the spirit just now nah, i think i'm going to wait maybe another year when this is that and this because the lessons that they have to learn are going to be better learned at that time or whatever and, and it wasn't that, that leaves the butterfly effect and the repercussions on those that are left behind in a way that's indelible uh we have friends that have lost you know miscarried children child after child is that child still a part of them and of their life can they should they try to communicate with that child um you know how do, how do we put that away how do we move on and heal well, to get past that yeah it's it, you know okay and again this is just what i was taught and how what i believe but in my mm-hmm. little head uh, the the soul comes into the body when the when the baby's born and the vessel of that is is created in the nine months but um the soul at least in my way of thinking or what i was taught isn't in the soul isn't in the baby until it's actually born that that's what i was 
that's what I was raised to, to think, or that's what the old psychics used to tell me. Um, and folks, don't turn this thing. into a hot button topic that's going on in America right now. We're discussing more of this in the miscarriage sense of things. So I don't want to, I just uh, tried to keep out yeah. of the loop of what I, I, I can already hear the typewriters going, the, the keyboards clicking. I know, I know. Um, of of when does life begin this isn't an open debate on this michael's just giving you his perception of this yeah, right wrong was... or indifferent it, it's that moment but um what can what what can we the living do to let go of that so that we can heal and, and make ourselves feel better well honestly dave there's not much you can do it, it this this it, it's to, to kind of hang on to that is not doing you or anybody else any good or certainly not ever that soul it, it's to, to kind of hang on to it is, is like almost punishing yourself and the soul and everything mm -hmm. else for, for whatever reason it didn't work out. It's not about um, you did something wrong or they did something wrong or that they weren't the right person or this or nothing like that. It's, mm -hmm. it, it, it's um, in my way of thinking that really when you're born, the, the soul comes in and, and, and you can almost see it. You can almost see it. You know, I, I have a couple of kids and I have like three grandkids and um, I, I've been there with, with my daughter's babies. And, and when they first came out, you could, there, there's something there, but then a little while later, it's almost like you can see the souls in there now. It's like, like the all spark thing. And right. yeah, like this. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, so I, you know, miscarriage. I don't know. I, I, I don't. I'm not. That's a. It's above my pay grade, really. But I, I do know that, um, it's souls change their mind. A souls change their mind. Well, I've I've and, seen mediums and readings that will say, you know, there's a little, there's a little girl with you, and you know, she's like, no, I, I didn't. Oh, I see well, that did all you the time. have a miscarriage, and they're like, okay, yeah, I had a miscarriage. Well, I think the soul is still with you. I think is that a reality or is that? Uh, well, yeah, I think that's reality but i also think that that means like i see souls all the time hanging around people and and to me that means that they're getting ready to come down that that person's probably going to get pregnant you know uh that that, that mm -hmm. it's going to be uh, and you so when when people come to me for reasons i can always tell when they're they're going to have a baby because there's souls hanging around sometimes just one or sometimes two and um and you can always tell and mm. <laughs> it's always just a timing thing it's like they're trying to catch this the ring as it goes around like they want to be born at a certain time and they want certain things to happen and blah 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 who knows but it's right there you know you can tell that they're going to get pregnant within three to six months just because it's just so anxious to come through and i you know i i think like in miscarriages maybe the spirit was just waiting and it just the body wasn't ready so they're going to wait again for the next this little vessel to come through and then they'll jump into that um but I know they hang around for a reason, not to punish sure. you or not to make you feel bad or like, oh, geez, you screwed up. Or you should have done it. You know, that's that's not how it goes. I don't I, I don't tried really. to I've always tried to do, you know, again, advice is what it is. Right. Um, we don't right. live that moment. So it's hard to sometimes give that advice. But I've I've tried to. You know, in my own case with my mom, I could wallow and feel like crap for the rest of my life that I lost my mom, or I can make sure that I make the best out of the life I have so that I'm not disservicing her memory by locking down and shutting down. If you've if you've lost this baby, let's now live a life for that baby. Let's live a life that will extend our lives to make it a better place in this child's honor. Um is that again coming too egocentric or is that maybe a better way to deal with things in 
in looking at as honoring instead of grieving constantly. Yeah, well, is it is it that you guys aren't going to have children anymore? Have you decided not to do that? Uh, it, not at the, no. At my age, I you know I'll be going into diapers as the last one is coming out of diapers, Michael. So we're kind of you know <laughs> we we figured that at that point um, you know and with my sadly with my wife's uh, health issues, uh, things haven't aligned that would have given us that opportunity again. But um, you know, I, and it's not just for my wife. Like I said, I, we know many people, and I'm I've, I'm contacted often by by women that have lost uh, a baby in miscarriage, and they just don't know how to move past it and and they you know a lot of it's the failure feeling a lot of it's the um what they're putting upon themselves and i don't know how to tell them to lift that i I know the spirit the child certainly wouldn't want that for the mothers you know so it's it's kind of a tough tough moment yeah Uh, um uh, yeah that that is tough i don't i you know there's a it's the same kind of thing with with having a friend of of yours commit suicide you know people tend mm-hmm. to hang on to that stuff and there's a right. benefit to hanging on to it it's usually a negative mm-hmm. benefit but there's a benefit to hanging on to it like it's right. it's filling a, a space somehow you know it's it's making you feel maybe unable to just continue life and it gives you an excuse to not just do stuff and but it's certainly not something that um you know, you're not, they're not trying to punish you th- over and over again for it. Maybe we need to figure anymore. life out like, like that book, right? The book, don't eat this, eat that, which tells you to, you know, how to dump the bad stuff and take on the good. Maybe we need to, maybe we need a book from you, Michael, David and Michael's <laughs> book of don't feel this, feel that we need to help people find a new way to align <laughs> their stinking thinking well, so that they can have that a more thinking, fulfilling you know? life. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but I get there, it. But, but as you said, it's not good benefits, right? Right. There's benefits to these mothers that are poisoning their children because, oh, my, my child is always so sick. And, oh, poor Veronica. She has to live through this. Her poor children. She never gets a break. So there is that the accolades. They call it, uh, what is it, Munchausen by proxy, where they're hurting somebody yeah, else to get proxy, the accolades. Yeah. You know, it's it's a twisted deal, and there's a lot of strange stories like that that exist. Um, but maybe, again, like you said, they need somebody that can teach them, you know, do this, don't do that. If you want this attention, let's show you a better way to get attention instead of hurting yourself or hurting others. Um, so we'll, yeah. we'll have to we'll have to come together on that, Michael. We'll light up a couple book, of cigars yeah. and, and sit down and <laughs> yeah. knock out a book. Now, let's say uh, we've got very little time left, about five minutes together here. Walk-ins, the concept of walk-ins, yeah, come in. Now, you know, heaven can wait. You know, um, Mr. Jordan, yeah. the famous movies that have been out there about this where, you know, death came a little too early and they're allowed to go back in and take over another life that ended prematurely. Is that a real thing? There are oh people that God. claim to yeah. be walk-ins. What do you make of that? I've seen I see it a lot. Yeah, I've seen it a lot. Really? You know, it's like this the soul that was there like okay, say um a, a guy has a stroke and he comes out mm-hmm. of the stroke and people are like, "Boy, Bob, you just don't seem like the same guy." And the guy's, you know, he's happy, he's okay, he's just getting through it, but he's not the same guy. It's um it's like that Bob's soul left because he was finished. And the other guy, maybe he was one of those guys that did commit suicide. Maybe he didn't finish the, the death process. Maybe he has to just go through that whole thing. Maybe, maybe he's going to get a second chance to do some things that he wasn't that he wasn't able to do before. But I see it all the time. People contact me and go, "God, you know, my husband. He's just he's not the same guy since I know him. He's great. I like him way more than the other guy, but um, he's not the same guy." Or sometimes it's they have. 
I mean, sometimes it's like the person's completely different. Like they, their favorite color's different. Their favorite food's different. Their, uh, everything's completely different. Um, hmm. But walk-ins, you can usually tell by the eyes. You can usually tell when the persons that you've known all this time, their eyes are different. It's like they're talking to you. They're saying the same stuff. Their voice is the same, but there's something in their eyes. And it, they can they say that walk-ins are all about just um, finishing up some karmic debt, maybe that you owed or, or that the other soul is all finished. And, um, but it's usually after an accident or some sort of illness or some sort of something where the, they're out for a little bit and then the soul comes in, the other one leaves. And, but I see, it, I see it a lot. I mean, not, you know, but yeah, mm -hmm. I see it you know, a lot. Yeah. Can, can a body, can and a vessel have more than one soul at a time? Could I have a walk-in while I'm still checked in to the hotel Schrader? <laughs> That'd be tough. You can do it when you're drunk. Like, you know how when you're drunk, like people go, boy, you weren't yourself last night, Bob. And and, and they go, well, yeah, because they weren't. They were probably like seven or eight guys in there, you know. But it's tough when you're sober to have more your soul just because you know it, your soul is pretty connected to your to your body right. there it's it's a one body one soul kind of deal there you know mostly unless you're you know pretty pretty loaded then then it's all bars loose you know you can just jump in there but uh yeah it's uh you know when you're sober it's one soul one body kind of thing at least from what Crazy. i understand yeah i mean I, I think there's, I, there, I know that there's, there's people that have had a couple different souls in there. I, you know, there's schizophrenic people, there's, there's different personality people. And, you know, I know that happens. I can't say it doesn't happen, but it's kind of rare. Yeah. You know, it is a little rare. Well, Michael, uh, we've been apart too long. We should get together here soon. Let's get out and, I know. I miss uh, you, out and do so some ghost hunting. Thank you, my friend. And let's, yeah, let's. Well, I don't golf. I, that's an out of body experience. I'm not willing to have. I figure so if I, I I still love my I still love my wife enough to not go walk 18 miles a day, hitting a little white ball, and then going to find it and then hitting it further again. So we'll find something yeah. cool to do together. But Michael, thank you as okay, always yeah. for joining us today. Hey, it was great. It's to It's been see a you pleasure. Again. Thanks. Yeah, I'll thank talk you, to you soon. Friend. Okay. I hope so. Amazing guy, amazing stories. There's a link for Michael in tonight's episode guide so you can find it and find information about him and readings. Ghostly regrets in the afterlife. Lead a good life now. Do your best to be kind, to be loving, to make things right so that, A, you don't have to make things right through a medium or B, you don't have to wallow on the other side trying to look for another in and a second chance. I'd like to thank my guest, Michael Bodine. Check out the link we provided to keep up with him and his work. And thank you all for visiting the Paranormal 60, allowing me along on your journey. May the darkness be just a little more light with the information that we share here. Make sure to like this video and the podcast. Subscribe and tell everyone you know about it. And for our new podcast listeners, welcome to the world of the Paranormal 60. We'll be back again next week with more awesome content and amazing stories to share. And we'll be back this Friday with the Paranormal News crew right here on the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader.
The Paranormal 60 is part of the UnX Network. If you want more great programs like the Paranormal 60, check out the UnX Network.